What's up, you beauties? Welcome to another Nine Wide Radio episode. I'm Jim, joined by Jack. We'll be joined by the Dan Silver in just a little bit. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Let's also shout out the affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. While you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Pot Street Bullies did their first live episode last night. You can now hear the recorded version today. Uh, go ahead and check out our site. They have their own little spot on there. Uh, listen on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Those guys do a great job. So congrats to the Bullies on their first live episode. Unfortunately, things are not as great in Flyerland, Jack. There just seems to be bad news after bad news after bad news. And this year was supposed to be different, right? Uh, you know, everything was great in the offseason. They go out and they get Ryan Ellis. They, they get rid of some guys that we were all hoping that they were going to get rid of. Um, Kevin Hayes was, you know, went through a second surgery, was supposed to come back, and uh, everything's fixed. Both of these guys are back out with re-injuries, right? I mean, uh, Hayes required surgery twice for his injury. So a re-injury, I can only assume it's not as serious. Uh, Scott Hartnell goes on, I think it was the NHL Network today. He's calling the team soft. He's not sure what the identity is. People are starting to question AV again. We're, we're almost 20 games into the season. We're, you know, arguing over Morgan Frost again. <laughs> and it's like, dude, this is the same stuff. Different year. Uh, tough week last week. Obviously, we're going to get to a lot of these topics once our guest joins. Uh, before Dan joins Jack, why don't we just kind of recap last week uh, and kind of catch everybody up just in case they've been under a, a Flyers rock for the last couple of days. Yeah, um, definitely a lot going on. But uh, week, surprisingly, actually started off pretty good. Uh, Calgary Flames came to town. We had an axe to grind. And even though they scored first, the Flyers tied it up in the second, forced overtime with nothing happening in the third, and they got a sweet OT winner, um, sweet rebound right to Ackerson, who hadn't scored in a while. He buries it. They start off the week off right, getting an overtime win against the Western team, so there's no point swing there. Just a solid two points for the Flyers. Then a tough task they had with Tampa. They, uh, their home team, obviously, they jump out to a nice 2-0 lead, which we knew wasn't going to last. Uh, but they did manage to uh, – thought you were going to lose the game there at the very end of the third period. Uh, another heart-leaky goal, which when you, it's heart, everybody wants to point at his angles and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Follow Jason Mertides, he pointed out. And Hart said this. Uh, it was a – I'm not going to say equipment malfunction. We're not going to go there, but it was it was newer equipment, and sometimes when they're not broken in properly, this can happen. And seeing the the replay of the goal, it looked like he had everything covered pretty well. So I'm not going to kill him for that. I'll take his word for it. But with I think it was eight seconds left, or five point eight or something, somehow Drew, much like he did in uh, Van, when Vancouver came to down first game of the season, ties it up, steals a point which ultimately they go to overtime, great overtime, nothing happens, shootout, well, the Flyers can't be bothered to show up at the shootout, so they just get one They get one point. And then the Boston game, uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about the game, but the Flyers, 
I can't really say they were ever really in it. It was maybe closer than I give them credit for. They were getting chippy. Risto especially calls a Marshan, calls take a penalty. They were down 2 nothing, then 2-1. Things were starting to look up. And then they started giving up more goals. I know Jones gave up. I think the fourth goal was definitely something I didn't like. But the big thing with that game was the you're down two goals, third period. You go on the power play, and a face-off infraction was called clearly on Bergeron when you see the replay, although some, some people are saying that Drew actually touched it first before Bergeron did that. I didn't see that, but I, I would have to see it again. That's not what I saw at all. Five on three becomes a four on four. Flyers squander another goal. That game was over. Last two weeks, the Flyers have gone two, three, and one. I think that's correct. That's six games, right? Yeah. Two, three, and one. The last six games, which has been the last two weeks against some tough top competition. Um, the week started off good by going into overtime against Tampa. You're like, we got three out of possible four points with a chance for more. And then they ended up only getting that's three. They got it for the rest of the week. Uh, yeah. They got some more tough competition coming up on top of all the injuries we are dealing with. So it's not looking pretty right now, especially what's on the horizon. No. And things aren't going to change. That's the thing. That's I'm not, I'm not red alert yet, but what's going to change. This is what the team is like. They are they're lesser than what we thought they were going to be, and people were saying it was going to be tough for them to score goals, right? Their arguably best defenseman is out. Ryan Ellis, prized offseason acquisition. Kevin Hayes, the, you know, two, three seasons ago now, your prized free agent, free agent acquisition is out for, they're saying, week to week. I don't know if that's going to be week to week. To me, it sounds like, well, we'll see how much you can get it healed and then come back and you know, hopefully he doesn't re-hurt himself. Uh, Flyers currently have their, their negative one in the goal scoring department. They're defensively, they're top five in the league goals against outstanding in large part to their goaltending Carter Hart, Martin Jones. They have 43 goals for in their division alone. It's second worst only to the New York Islanders who are a mess right now 31 goals for for new york so not even close and we think the flyers are struggling that's brutal man um so second and now i'm looking at the entire conference the flyers are tied with the canadians for second lowest i'm sorry third lowest goals for and you know we're talking about some bad teams down here we're talking about they're in the same company as the chicago blackhawks phoenix uh, arizona coyotes Oof. san jose sharks uh, dallas stars uh, Ottawa Senators, Montreal Canadiens, uh, New York Islanders, 5-8-2 right now. All these teams are not good. And the Flyers are now falling into that category. It's when you think of it, when you think of it that way, it's like, okay, early season, they work out the kinks, but how? Right? Like the only the only reason I'm a little bit worried is because when you ask how they're gonna fix the issues, the solution, in my opinion, is not on the roster. It's not in Lehigh. Say what you want about Morgan Frost. Talented kid. Um, Who would we have on? Was it was it John talking about the OHL? Yeah. It's, it's a different – yeah, he's doing very well right now in Lehigh, right? It's a, a men's league. It's You're not playing against kids anymore. So for him to put up points, there's something there. We're going to have Dan on in a, in a couple minutes here. I know he's going to, you know, pump up the Morgan uh, Frost train, which is, which is good. I, I like Morgan Frost. My, my point is he is not the solution to what ails this team right now, you know? And it's kind of like, well, what's next? Are they going to make a move? 
or are they going to, to Chris's point here, do, do they get rid of a coach? Is it the coach's fault? You know, and it, hey, I'm not, I'm wrong a lot, but look, pointing to the coach feels somewhat like a cop out. I don't know why. What do you think, Jack? Well, with this team, it does because we've been through so many coaches. This team is like rapidly becoming coach killers. And there is something to it. Like you think the Tarion would get hacked or something like, like it's like the Lapierre thing. Like they're, they're so bad. It's reaching like historic numbers with the length of how bad they've been. And you've changed some personnel. I know it's not all the personnel, but you've, you've have changed the personnel. Something's clearly not working. You don't see any like adjustments on the power play. If I saw a different personnel, even if I didn't see different personnel, but I saw adjustments, like trying new things, at least then I'd be like, well, the coach is, you know, he's trying something different, you know, cause this isn't working. This is very stubborn. Like we'll just round peg square hole. We're going to force it out there until it works. Cause we like how it looks in practice or something. And he's got like a free pass because AV has said like, I'm not, these are my coaches. I'm not firing anybody. And this is it. So it's, and you're not going to fire AV at this point. It's too early for that. They're still above 500. I say that in quotations, but you know, so it's tough. So what are we going to do? We're going to wait until we're below 500. We're going to not fix the issue now. It's very aggravating. And when I look at what could be added to fix the team, if, if Frost could play great, but I don't, I don't think this team is soft. That word gets tossed around a lot and it's very easy to say that. Um, but they're not, they are kind of easy to play against. There's a, there's a clear, blueprint on how to get these guys and it's just chipping the puck in grinding against the boards but also they cannot for the life of them sustain any kind of offensive pressure right now and it's so frustrating to watch you feel like almost half the game is in your zone and there's this running gun going the other way that you got to hope that they they convert on because other than that that's back on defense and they just they can't score if it wasn't for Hart and even Jones to an extent this record's a lot worse than it is if you ask me I would agree with that, and I'm sure our guest, Mr. Dan Silver, thanks once again for joining us. I think you may agree with that as well. I'm just uh, tweeting out to all, all the folks that I'm joining you guys. Oh, excellent! How about that? It's <laughs> kind of you. So we're just we're talking about the struggles right now. We're we're kind of working our way into a Morgan Frost conversation and and whatnot. And you know, obviously the Flyers are, are struggling, Dan. Right? They they're having a hard time scoring goals there. Now in the bottom portion of the league for goals four, and some of that, of I mean, most of it, you could argue, is the power play. Um, the other part of that is, to, to Jack's point, the Flyers are just straight up frustrating. They're not fun to watch play right now. It's, it's. So I'll put it to you this way: Are they being coached to play this way? In in your opinion, is this? I, AV before the year was like, yeah, we're going to play this style of hockey and this is what they're supposed to do. And, you know, maybe the Flyers are executing this plan to perfection and it just sucks to watch. Or is it just, what is this? This is not what you're supposed to look like. What, what's the issue? You know, I saw a note that was, I haven't really dug into it uh, all that much on Twitter from uh, someone who covers the Maple Leafs talking about how they made some adjustments early in the season. They changed from like a, uh, like a one, two, two, type of four check to like a one, three, one type of formation, then it's kind of done wonders. And it's, you know, along the lines of what you're talking about. Sometimes I wonder if, first of all, I don't think the personnel, like this team is lacking offensive ability and playmaking ability. I mean, you, you can't question that when you look at Derek Rassard's the two C and Scott Lawton's the three C. I mean, that's just not going to get it done in today's mm -hmm. NHL, but um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see any creativity from, from the coaching staff trying to figure out ways of, of getting out of this. I mean, the power play just keeps getting worse and worse. I know they scored a power play, uh, scored on a power play in, in the game against Boston, but the power play was like looked horrible in that game. And the way they've got it set up, they just keep moving it around the perimeter to guys who are like not in shooting positions because they're all on like their offhand when they're getting the puck. It's, it's like inexplicable. Like sometimes I wonder like, what are the coaches doing? Basically. I don't, I don't understand sometimes. And, you know, with, with Vino, his track record has been that he's been really good early on um, with teams and then kind of like the performance goes down and down and down. Right. And so based on his track record, I haven't seen a whole lot that suggests that like it's going to go the other way. Right. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just circumstances in the places he was at that, that the performance was good at the beginning and then it kind of wore off, but I, I don't see anything that makes me think or that makes me have confidence that this coaching staff can like do anything to turn it around. I think that's kind of where I'm getting to as well, because I like Elaine Vigneault and, you know, a year, you know, last year I kind of chalked it up to, Hey, so much went on. It's hard for me to really pin the blame on the coach. I mean, anybody really, uh, no, that's not true. Cause I think a lot of it was the issue was players and we saw a lot of players shipped, shipped out, but it's, it was hard for me to blame Vino um, last season. This season, it's kind of like, well, if they're being coached to play this way, and after games, he's saying, you know, I thought we, we played well, blah, blah, blah. To me, it's starting to become a problem, right? Because it, this is not a new thing, the way that they've been playing. They were just maybe a little bit luckier through the first three, four, five, six games. But now it's it's kind of dried up. Maybe teams have figured them out because they don't – Jack, you mentioned earlier, the Flyers – are kind of easy to play against and it looks like that right like where where do the i don't know something's missing again like where the passion where the energy where the emotion go remember the seattle game like what do we get zach McEwen for like what's nate thompson here for like we didn't get these guys to score goals right like where's the energy you know what i don't know i'm i'm getting frustrated and i'm getting frustrated that i'm getting frustrated because we're not 20 games in they made these moves. I know things aren't going their way, but it's like, what? I don't. I just don't know anymore. Like something, something bigger has to happen. Like they went out and got Ryan Ellis, and and versus the line, and they traded a first round pick. They signed Kevin Hayes a couple seasons ago. What else has to happen for this team to to look how we want them to look? I just don't know. We got to build a time machine. Yeah, I guess so, man. I I mean. You know, here's one thing that I'll say is, and I know there's a clip circulating. I retweeted it on Twitter right now from Scott Hartnell going off about the Flyers on NHL Network. I was a little surprised because, I mean, he so was I. He, he works with the with the Flyers, but um, he basically said, I don't know if you guys talked about this yet, but it was it pretty blunt. He basically said the Flyers are very soft. He said they'd be at the bottom of the league if it wasn't for Carter Hart. He said the power play is absolutely awful. Um, and he said that if he was a Flyers fan, he, he would have no reason for optimism right now. So to be quite honest, like, okay, the power play is awful. If Carter Hart wasn't playing like this, 
I think they might be at the bottom of the league. Um, I don't know if they're soft. And, and Jim, you just mentioned that, like, you know, they added risk to line and they've got Thompson and McEwen. I, I think there's a difference between this team last year and this year, like last year, I, I didn't want to watch them at all. I mean, it was abysmal. They would get railroaded by teams and not have any response mm-hmm. this year. I don't think that's the case. Like, I think that they're, I think they're playing competitive hockey. Like, I don't think they've really been blown out at all this year. Um, and I've seen some physical responses from the guys. So I don't necessarily think they're a soft team. And I, and I haven't, I mean, the Bruins game got a little out of control because they let the Bruins have 45 shots or whatever. And Martin Jones is just, he's good, but he's like not going to do well yeah. against the Bruins team when you give him 45 shots. Yeah. But the game was still competitive for, for a decent amount of it. So I'm like, I'm still, enter, I'm entertained by this team a lot more than I was last year. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Ellis and Hayes are, who knows when those guys are going to be back. I mean, it's a, it's a big problem. They were relying on those guys a lot. I mean, Brian Ellis was the sparkling acquisition this offseason, right? He was going to solve all the problems, top pair, right D. And so I don't think you can ignore that, like, he's basically has played in a couple games. And uh, it's, a big, it's a big problem. And yeah, I got to agree with it. I don't think they're necessarily soft either. Like that Bruins game, you had Ristolainen and lay a hit on Bergeron down 2-1 and causes Marshan to take a penalty and you're thinking, okay, we're, you know, they're getting back into this. Things are getting chippy. They just drew a penalty. Like the team last year is not doing that. They're, they're folding over. They're, they're turning over and calling it a game. You know, a two nothing lead. They'll probably walk out of the building, losing six, nothing or something. They started pressing back a little bit. And then I just think they got outworked. They can't be given that many shots up. Like you said. And I think that ultimately that uh, face off infraction was probably the, icing on the cake to finish off that game take that with what you will um but hardnell had some weird things to say he even said that like the penalty kill was a suspect at times i'm like they're tied for 11th in the league i'm not exactly pointing out the penalty kill as an issue but the part about the goaltending is definitely true and i think it's more of these injuries than it is anything else right now Uh, that's not an excuse I, i don't think they should be rolling over uh, which I don't think they are, but like they should have better off. It's their offense for me. It's it's keeping sustained pressure in the offensive zone. They're very running gun right now. They're very opportunistic. But like if you looked at their time of possession, I'm sure it unless they got some favorable power plays, it's all the other team, and it's way too often. Like they're not they're just not going to score off of breakaways or two on ones. They hope they can have develop, especially when the other team is having their way with them. Sometimes I forget that the other team's not on the power play. Like it really looks like how much space they get at the point sometimes, but not us. If I'm, if I'm defending against flyers, it's a full court press because they'll make mistakes and they're starting to do that more. And the guys like all the new faces are pretty much the only ones doing anything. And with Ellis out, you're seeing more pucks bump up, jump over the blue line. They're losing possession. They can't hold it in. They might get like one shot off or toss something on net before they lose possession where the other team can retrieve. They retrieve any shots they have They keep the sustained pressure going for, two to three minutes on end. And they're just, when you watch other teams play against us and how we play, it's like two, two tails of two different cities. It's ridiculous. And a lot of teams do that to us. Yeah. I don't, I, Dan, I know you said you, you're more enter, entertained this year than last year. Uh, I feel like, and this is, you know, every, we all have our opinions, but I feel like that's a low bar, isn't it? Like last year was like, it was just bad. And this year it's, at least uh, for for myself, and I know I'm going to get to the two injuries, and you know, 
I'm going to get to that in a second. But my my level of expectation was way up here, and it still is. Um, I that's why I, I'm like, well, this could potentially be Claude Giroux's last season as a Philadelphia Flyer, right? Like those moves in the off season weren't just to keep us afloat or to just make the playoffs, right? I wanted to see a push for the division, which I don't know if that's going to happen the way Carolina's playing. They're an absolute machine. Um, but, you know, two guys got hurt. If you're serious, if you're serious about making a push, if you're committed to, you know, potentially making a cup run for, for Claude Giroux, I think you have to make a move. And, you know, whether that's going out and making a trade or doing something with the coaching staff, you, you can't, as the general manager, you can't let it get to a certain point before you do something. You have to be proactive because once it gets to that point, the way the teams are, are playing in the Metro, it's going to be like quicksand, you know? Um, the other part of this is we've seen Chuck Fletcher make excuses and not make the excuses. They were kind of built in, you know, the COVID season. Uh, any excuse that he could have possibly gave, he gave. And what I'm, I don't want to say afraid, but what I'm waiting for is for Chuck Fletcher to come out and have one of these press conferences and go, yeah, you know, like our top guy that we got in the offseason got hurt. Nothing we can do about that. Kevin Hayes, you know, coming back from the core, abdominal surgery, whatever it was, is a tough injury to come back from. What are we going to do? You know, we, we tried. Injuries happen. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I don't want to hear that, dude. If you're committed... Make a move. Like I said, whether it's a coach or a player, do something. Spice it up a little bit. I mean, so a couple things. First of all, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a low bar, right? Um, it's it's I'm entertained by them this year, uh, but I'm not that optimistic. I'm I'm usually pretty optimistic, but mm -hmm. when you talk about again, you brought in Ryan Ellis, and he's basically now out for a while, and Kevin Hayes who they're relying on a lot at their weakest position is out for a while. So yeah. I try to be realistic. I mean, it, there's not a whole lot of cause to be optimistic that like this team as currently constructed with the injuries can compete with, with Florida and Tampa and Carolina game in game out. Right. So when I sort of think about that, I'm like, all right, well, what's the next step? Like, I, I guess I want to be able to watch the games and, and think that they're competing. Right. right? And so I do, I do think that with Chuck Fletcher, we got to give this guy some leeway. I mean, yeah. he, he, I think he proved in the off season, that, like he knows what's going on, right? All the moves he made this off season basically was everything that people wanted him to do. Right. Sure. Like he, he went out there and he made all these moves. So I think like, I think he deserves um, the benefit of the doubt that we don't, we don't need to question, like, if he's like thinking like, oh, maybe I'll just, you know, let things develop here for a little while. Like if, if there's things to be done, I feel like he will do them. Uh, I just don't think there's a whole lot you can do at this point. Like who, who are we going to trade for right now that is going to drastically change the outlook and how are we going to pull the trade off? Cause presumably the guy's going to have a salary that we're going to have to, to pay for. We have no room in the cap. Like is someone really going to take JVR off our hands? I don't know. The guy's like been terrible this year. I guess it's, it's only a team that would just, you know, we'd have to throw in a second round pick to, to get him to like take JVR. So I, I think I can give 
Fletcher the benefit of the doubt. And we'll probably talk about this, but like the one thing I'm kind of perplexed by is, is why Morgan Frost hasn't been called up yet. Um, in the last few days, I thought he'd be on this trip with these guys to Florida. Maybe that'll still happen. doesn't seem like it. Maybe we'll see him in the lineup Friday, but to me, like that's the easy thing that you can do right now to at least see if there's a solution. Like, look, the guy might not be an NHL player, but he also could be an offensively creative guy who can help up the power play. Like all of the flyers problems right now, not scoring goals and the lack of a player, the kind of a player that they don't have that's exactly what Morgan Frost could be. So it's like, why don't we find out? But I agree. I, I don't know why he's not called up either. Like he's, he's supposed to be on the roster. Like, I don't know. He was only supposed to go to Lehigh to find his game, to get his legs back on them. Uh, how much more time does he need? What else do you need to see? from Morgan Frost. Like, this team can't score goals. They have all these wingers that can put the puck in the net, but but they need they need a guy that can play, like 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 a guy like Frost that can distribute the puck, right? Like, otherwise, all these Konechny's and JVR's and Farabee's and Lindblom's and, and Atkinson's, like, they're, they're having trouble scoring goals. They don't have a center that can help them score goals. That's what they need. Morgan Frost is that guy. I don't know why he's not on flyers. Like, I'm just, you can tell I'm, I'm frustrated. It's been a while since I've sounded like this on an episode, but it, it's like stuff doesn't make sense, you know? And that's when I start to get frustrated. I don't blame you. I don't know why he's not here either. Like everything you just said, like what, he's going to be different, you know? And we have now injuries, which was the one reason he'd be up here and underperformance by the team. What more do you need? What, what are we waiting for? Like, I, that's it. Are they worried they're going to tarnish any trade value has left? Because he's trying to work something out. And if he brings him up and he plays poorly, they're going to lose it all. Like, you got to see what this guy can do. That's why he drafted these guys. I know this regime didn't. But, like, at least see what you have. What, what do you have to lose? You know, so, I mean, that's kind of what I was alluding to right there. Like, is that it? Is that what it is? I, I don't know. That seems a little silly this early in the season. I would be shocked. But I, I don't know. It's it's a lot of head scratching, much like the power play, among other things. But I do understand the lack of optimism for this team. Yes, they're different. I'm not. They're not going to get beat up and pushed around. They're not going to lose games eight to three because they won't let it get out of hand like that. But like, it's just from a competitive standpoint, they cannot keep the puck in the opponent's zone long enough to be much of a threat. Their best bet is a two. It's an odd man rush or some kind of breakdown in coverage, and that's not a sustainable way to score goals. And as great as Hart has been, any goalie, I can't see them playing this well for the entire season. Like it's something he's going to have bad games. You can't just be giving away points, especially in this division, especially with some of the games we have coming up. And as we alluded to, the record over the last six games. Just can't keep up. Something's got to change. You can't just, you know, sit on it. I don't need Fletcher to make a move, but okay, don't make a move. Bring this guy up who's already on your team and roster. Like, it's right there. It's something. It's different. Do something with a coach, which we, you know, it sounds like they're not going to do anything. This is AV staff, and it is what it is. We've got another – well, I don't want to repeat what I said earlier. But, like, it's just a lot of stubbornness is going to lead to us sinking in the standings real quick. Interesting. So, Dan, you know, you brought up Frost – you, um, I mean, you're a Frost guy. You like Frost, right? You're excited about his potential. Yeah. Like, like now's the time. Like, I don't understand what we're waiting for anymore. Did, did you guys see um, over at uh, Broad Street Hockey, Madeline Campbell, who I think does some pretty good work? She she posted a piece today. She follows the Phantoms really closely, 
And she posted a piece on Morgan Frost that had a bunch of video clips in it. And if you guys haven't watched it, like, go take a look. Like, he, he's been really good the last 10 games. He's got, like, I don't know, 12 points in the last nine or 10 games. He's playing on a terrible team. The Phantoms are atrocious. Like, everyone's injured. He's playing on a line with, like, guys that no one has ever heard of. Right. And he's putting up points. And if you go look at some of these clips, like he's on the power play doing like spinorama behind the back blind passes to Cam York, setting him up for like perfect one timers. And of course, he's missing the net every time because Cam York doesn't have that great of a shot. But like he looks ready, like he he looks like he's too good for the AHL right now. And yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I got to think he's going to be up this week. I saw uh, our buddy Dan Knightley, you know, asked what if the reason he isn't called up is because there's a trade with him in it. You know, I, I guess that's possible. But for me, the I think that there's a reason they haven't traded Morgan Frost to this point. I think it's because of what I said earlier. He the skill set that Morgan Frost has is the skill set that this team needs the most. There's True. only one guy on this team that has like a skill set like that. And it's Claude Drew. You know, he's one of the best players in the history of the franchise. And I don't want to compare Morgan Frost to him from like a talent perspective but if you look at the skill set that's the kind it's the same kind of skill set that's what they need like you said jim jvr Farabee, atkinson these connect these guys are wingers for those guys to score they need a center who can create offense like claude Giroux. there's only one claude Giroux on this team there's only one sean katuri on this team katuri hasn't been great but frost is like the skill set that they need to succeed and so I don't, I don't think that they're going to trade him yet. I think that they want to see what he can do in the NHL. Now, obviously, if he comes up again and he's not that great, then maybe it diminishes his value. But honestly, I don't know how high his value is around the league right now anyway. I mean, I'm sure it's okay, but I think that the team thinks about Frost much more highly than other teams might. So I don't know if his value is as high as what you're going to want to get right now, but – yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think everyone's just sitting around being like, why hasn't this guy been called up yet? And hopefully he gets called up and uh, we he gets an opportunity. The power play, you know, the power plays are just – this is the worst I've ever seen the Flyers power play, I think. I mean, it just looks aimless. And I think that's somewhere where he can really help. I mean, that's probably Morgan Frost's best attribute in the NHL is going to be his ability on the power play because he's just so creative. And a power play with him and Giroux – could be could be really good. He's got a good one timer from the uh, right face off circle. He's sort of like the Giroux on the other side of the ice. Like Giroux's got the fantastic one timer from the left face off circle. He's a righty shot. Frost's a lefty shot. He's better known as a passer, but like in juniors, he scored a ton of one time goals on the power play from the right face off circle. So he's he's sort of like a Voracek on the right wall, uh, but he's got a better shot than Voracek. So I'd love to see him and Giroux on the same power play. This is something that I, I wanted to bring up here, um, but first let me let me just uh, you know comment on what you said there. So I I agree, right? This team lacks creativity. They are they're very predictable, right? Like you know what each guy is going to do, and it, I mean it's when they're when they're scoring goals when they're you know running gun, they can be fun, but like wouldn't you don't wouldn't you like to watch somebody who's who's offensively gifted that can create and get guys involved. And you're like, Oh my God, I didn't see him. I didn't see that pass there. Like how, how did he see that? 
or he's setting guys up where you're not expecting to get the puck or like bring him up. I don't know what we're waiting for. I, I really don't like, do you, do you think it's some kind of sign of like struggle or uh, just Fletcher panic from the flyers or something? Cause we all expected him to like make the roster. So calling him up shouldn't be that big of a deal. Hayes is hurt again. It makes all the sense in the world to bring him up and they're not doing it. And I really, I doubt there's any kind of trade, a trade like that involving a highly touted prospect, at least in our eyes, that usually doesn't happen at the beginning of the season after you're a couple of games in. This is more of the player for player swap, you know, the, the odd, you know, the odd situation with two guys. You don't see a whole lot of, you know, and the Eichel thing's a complete, that's a completely different scenario. But like where you trade a, a bunch of guys or a bunch of young kids and draft picks for some kind of like a hurdle or God forbid, whoever is available, because a lot of teams aren't out of it. So not like ready to move on from these top players yet. They have to play more this season. I just, I, from what I know, there's not a whole lot of big trades involving prospects this early on, unless there's like a serious issue with a disgruntled player that is demanding they get out or something of that weird of that nature. So I seriously doubt there's any kind of trade on the horizon. Maybe they're discussing the very beginnings of stuff, but I'd be shocked if they're holding him off because there's some kind of trade in the works. That's just how I feel. I think you need to bring him up. I don't know why they're not. And for everything you just said, it's different, it's creative, and I'll let you lead into your next point, Jim, before I steal it. But, I mean, I couldn't agree more. They're being stubborn for some reason. So, so real quick, I'm going to make my best guess as to why Frost isn't up yet. He, he hadn't played for however long because of the shoulder injury, right? And then he comes into training camp. They announce that Hayes is going to be out, and everyone's like, oh, this center spot, 2C, 3C, is Morgan Frost, like, he is going to make the team, right? And then he really struggled in the preseason. And I don't know if it's a confidence issue or it's the fact that he's coming off the shoulder sur sur uh, surgery. He, he really wasn't good. And he, 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 was, he wasn't good to the point where Fletcher was like, you know what, I've got to kind of make a point here. And the point is that you've got to earn a spot with the Flyers. And Frost clearly didn't earn a spot with the Flyers. Not, again, probably because of the injury and he's getting his confidence back. So I feel like in Chuck Fletcher's mind, he was maybe thinking like, all right, I'm sending Morgan Frost down and I'm not bringing him up until I'm 100% sure that he's ready to be in the NHL. And in his mind, he's probably thinking it was going to be like December, right? Mm -hmm. December or early January. In perfect world. And this everything's kind of happened really fast where Hayes tried to come back and he got injured again. And so maybe Chuck Fletcher is just like, thinking to himself, okay, my original game plan was like, let Frost stay down there till December, something like that. And he's just not quite ready to, to bring him up. Like that's, that's the only thing I can think of, of why he's not up. Um, I don't know. Real I just quick. Hope they don't sink too far in the standings before he gets over it, <laughs> you know? And I, yeah. I agree with you. I can see him being stuck. I, I keep coming back to stubbornness and it's like, you have an idea in your head and that's what you want. And, like you really bite yourself if you're not careful. I think he'll be up. I think if he's not on this Florida trip, I think he'll be in the lineup on Friday. But when they I come back for, for the home game, could be. Um, I'm wondering now, right? Because the Flyers, they um, waved or whatever, knack, because Hayes came back. And now I'm kind of like, eh, did they make a mistake? There, like I know, I know a lot of people like Nack's not a huge part of this team, so it's kind of like, hey, whatever, good riddance. But I don't know. You lose Hayes, and who, who did they? Who are they replacing Hayes with right now? They got Broussard, Lawton at center. Uh, I guess McEwen, Thompson. I'm sorry, I'm going off my own tangent there. 
but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. This team is, they're missing energy. You have uh, Tarek here, zero net front presence on the power play. And I think even Keith Jones said it during a broadcast, like the way that they were moving the puck and playing on, I think it was the first power play unit. They were playing like they were looking for a lane and they were trying to get traffic in front of the goal. But the only issue with that was the guy that was providing the traffic, number one, wasn't standing in front of the goal. He didn't take his eyes away. Number two, it was Derek Broussard. Was, when I think of Derek Broussard, I don't think of net front presence. You know what I mean? Um, that's It's missing. It was, that dry, it was drive-by traffic. We need somebody to park themselves in front of the net, not somebody who just kind of goes, tries to time it, like when the shot's coming or something. Like it's, they, it's not just a power play. Like the times they do kind of get set up, there's against the Penguins, that game that comes out because you know, Vigneault said had a good game. Like they made Jari look like a, a Vesna runner up or something. Like they just, everything was right in his bread basket, right at him. He could see everything from a mile away. They had no, nobody was near him for a rebound, a cover, you know, blocking and screening up anything. It was nothing. They were making it easy. And it just, that just, it's not going to work. You're going to have to be a lot closer to pinpoint these shots and, and be perfect. And they'll have enough guys that can do that. Akis is not shooting every single time. Yeah, you got to take his eyes away. And they just, especially on the power play, which is one of the reasons I think it sucks, that and the fact that every, like, quick pass they do, they just, they either whiff on it or miss the net or they got to dust it off one time before they throw it on. They're just not clicking in that regard as well as many other issues. And, yeah, there's nobody in front to do anything with anything. And, it, yeah, Broussard's in there. Where's JVR? I think the one time... TK was down there. They actually scored, but it wasn't because he took his eyes away. It was a nice, it was a good rebound. He took advantage of, and he was able to roof it, but like, it's just, it we're screaming for them to take the goalie's eyes away. They're making it look easy. Sometimes it's stupid. And you saw how many deflections goals that JVR had last year. Where is that? Has he deflected the puck once this year? Like, I, I'm just blown away. If there's any, a guy you need to get going, like, come on, what are they doing? Why, why do they change things up? That was like the one thing working for him last year. Haven't seen it once this year. If Frost was, if he was getting paid like, if he was getting paid like a third liner, I would say, yeah, he's not playing bad. The only, pro <laughs> the only problem with that is he's making over seven million dollars. JVR, you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, like if he was, if he was getting paid like a third, like if he was getting paid like Limblom or whatever, I'd say, yeah, he's playing okay. The issue is he's making seven million. He is literally, I mean, he's supposed to be your net from presence guy, the guy that's. You know, his main wow. skill is tipping pucks. He's supposed to clean up around the net. Um, I, I don't know. You, like, here's my thing. Because you, you'll get people that'll say, you know, JVR's having a good year. And I'm, I'm like, that's great. Like, he's doing all the defensive stuff. He's playing great, uh, you know, responsible hockey. I don't care about that for JVR. I want the guys that are supposed to score to score. I don't care if they don't do anything else, you know? That's like an excuse for JVR, people who are still on the JVR train. It's like, oh, he's doing everything else right. It's like, you're not making $7 million to get back on defense. Like, you are you need to score. I don't care how you do it. You need to score. Maybe they need to put him in a better position, but he's got to do something. He, he's looked odd at times as well. Like, he's just not clicking. He's not looking right. And I know he was playing on third line for a while, and they moved him around. But, like, the only thing going right now is occasionally TK. Giroux looks good. You know, the second line is definitely cooled off. If you can't get the power play going, you're not going to get most of those guys going. So does this come back to the coach, do you think, um, you know, not putting guys in the right positions to succeed? Well, 
I didn't understand when he had JVR up on, they were struggling offensively and you put JVR on that top line with Turi and Giroux. I, why would you not put Atkinson on that line? Like Atkinson's know. like the one guy that he hasn't tried with Couturier and Giroux, and it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, that's Giroux's a pass first guy, Couturier is a pass first guy. Like, why would you not want to put the trigger man instead of like lumbering JVR? Yeah. Who, I don't know what he is. I mean, he's just it's, annoying. I don't even, even when he's playing well, there's not all that many people on his, his train. Um, yeah. So, like, I, you know, that was confusing to me that they haven't put Atkinson up there. It's, yeah, you know, trying to get him going, you know, that whole crap. That's all it is. And I agree with you. Atkinson should have, I had Atkinson pencil in day one. (laughs) This guy scored 40 goals, 35 plus twice. Why wouldn't you put him with your top players? Like, come on, this is stupid. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make much sense. I mean, it's a little bit perplexing what they're, what they're doing with the line combinations. Again, they don't, there's not a lot to work with, but, uh, you know, I mean, they've just got a lot of guys playing above where they where they where they should be playing. It's it's, uh, it's perplexing, and and um, you know, a, another thing. Like, I know they don't want to bring up Zamula or Cam York until they're def. They think they're definitely ready for the NHL. Like, you can't convince me that one of those two guys is not better than Nick Sealer. Like, come on. I I understand that you like have these guys putting these roles and whatnot. It's just, and it, I don't think there's any way that they're going to bring one of those two guys up soon for Sealer, but it's, it's just a part of the NHL mindset that just doesn't make any sense to me. That third pairing with Yandel and Sealer is just atrocious. That's bad. I mean, and I know they've kept changing around the power play with Yandel and Provorov, but Yandel hasn't really brought a whole lot to this team, right? I mean, I can remember more positive things that, Eric Gustafson did on the power play last year than Keith Yandel. Like <laughs> I, I he, just, he looked good. With, like the first couple games, he had yeah, five points in like three games. Like, and that was it. Maybe it's insane, but like, what is, what it's makes really Yandel any better than like Gustafson was kind of like a turnstile defensively, but like, <laughs> what is Yandel? I, I don't know. Well, why is he so much better than Eric Gustafson? Uh, it's, it's a weird one. He was like, he started off the season fine. Like Jim said, Took a, they changed up the power play for some reason, and even putting him back, it's just they it, it didn't come back with him. I don't know. Maybe it's – I don't know. <laughs> the power play is a complete conundrum, and that's why he's here. But you know, I guess until they get it going, he's going to be kind of useless, and it's a shame. But What's interesting is a lot of what we're talking about, and I hate that I'm thinking this way, but a lot of what we're talking about, I, I always look for the root of the problem. Okay, if, if you know certain guys aren't performing, you know, why? Well, it's because this guy usually he was brought in to play on the power play and the third pairing. He's not playing on the top power play anymore. Okay, I um, mean, I mean, you know, he's supposed to be playing with Justin Braun. It's not his fault that you know Ryan Ellis got hurt and now he's playing with Nick Sealer. But it's like, all right, Yandel was obviously your weakest defenseman coming into the season, and you have him playing with Nick Sealer. It, a lot of it comes is coming back to the coach. I mean, I you know. He, I don't know who who calls up, who decides if they want to call players up. Do you guys know? Is it is it the coach or the the GM that goes? Yeah, we need this guy. Pretty I think sure it's a joint GM. decision, right? Yeah, I think okay. the GM is like a it makes the decision, but the, the, consoles the coach obviously to tell him who he wants and whatnot. Okay. I don't. I think maybe Fletcher goes to Avi and says, "Hey, I'm thinking about calling up Frost. What do you think? You know, if you 
if if I'm going to bring him up, I don't want you like burying him on the fourth line and not giving him power play time, right? I think the conversation is like, hey, he's been really good down with the Phantoms. Um, let's watch some tape. If I bring him up, what do you think? And would you play him, you know, 2C, 3C and give him power play time? And the answer needs to be yes. And if it's not, then maybe you don't bring the, the kid up. And I wonder, you know, you have to wonder a little bit is, I don't know. There's Like I said, there's stuff that doesn't make sense. And what does make sense, I think you can trace back, unfortunately, to the coaching staff. I want to read you guys something real quick. This is from Olivia uh, Rayner on Twitter. Looks like Elaine Vigneault has made some tweaks to the bottom six in practice. So I don't know if this is going to change before tomorrow night. But he's got Max Willman playing with Scott Lawton and James Van Riemsdyk on the third line. Presumably the fourth line is going to be Oscar Lindblom with Nate Thompson and Zach McEwen. I don't know. Like none of that is like, oh, none of that makes sense to me. Was TK back with the top pairing now or top uh, line again? Assuming. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume that doesn't make sense. Like JVR stands out like a sore thumb on the third line. And then, you know, having Oscar Lindblom play on the fourth line with Nate Thompson and Zach McEwen doesn't make sense to me either. Like they have a, see what I said before the season, they have a lot of, like parts, but like they're missing like something to bring it all together. And I still feel that way. And I feel that they just have a lot of spare parts. Does it, I don't know. I don't know. It was hard to make a roster before the season started. Now with Hayes out, it's, it's even more, it's even harder. Like to me, they have to make a move. And then you got Wade Allison coming back. Anthony Mayo here's uh, Allison starting to skate. Hopefully he's back within a couple weeks. Yeah. Another winger. Like, Somebody's got to go somewhere. I don't know. That's true. This is actually funny because now I was thinking about it with Eric Gustafson because everyone hated Eric Gustafson. Remember, everyone was just like ripping the hell out of Eric Gustafson all last year. So, so far this year, Keith Yandel, who doesn't get any slack from anyone, 16 games played, zero goals, five assists, minus seven, 15 minutes and 55 seconds average time on ice. Eric Gustafson this year playing on Chicago – presumably a worse team than the Flyers. And uh, he's 17 games, five assists, same exact, no goals, five assists, same as Yandel, minus one. So he's got a better plus minus, and his average time on ice is 14 minutes and 33 seconds. So what's the difference between those two guys? I don't know. Didn't uh, Wasn't Yandel supposed to be like a savior of the power play or something? Yeah, he was. Didn't Gustafson say something about getting into it i mean it was taken out of context a bit because I, it was translated uh a little bit differently but didn't gustafson say he had where he, he had disagreements with coaching staff or something i wonder if they weren't using him correctly not that you know not that i care if eric gustafson wasn't used correctly i mean he's not, very but, good at all but i just it was just know funny what saying, brought in uh keith yandel and like yeah <laughs> yeah gustafson i you know Although I guess we paid him like uh, yeah three million. I was gonna say he's making three million dollars to. Is that what he was making last year? It was three <laughs> yeah, million. Yeah, it was a lot of money. I'll uh, do it. Yandel's making nothing, and plus he's like you know he's here for Hayes as well. Um, I mean, just seeing with Chicago doing that's kind of like yeah, because I, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to start bringing up ghosts. I'm waiting for that to, to jump back up into the conversation too. But for me, I mean, nine hundred k. You know, I I think it goes beyond. It's it's a shame because it's not looking good right now. But it goes beyond Yandel that power play. It's a joke. Like I don't I don't think 
I think Pronger could be at the point and they still would have a below average power play. Imagine if they had Chris Pronger again. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. We had we had it so good back then. And little That's did we was. know, like it would be who who would have thought that it would take this long to like like Flyers hockey again. And I don't even know if I like it yet. You know, but like those were the draw days. you back in. Yeah, it's and it's funny because I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but like the Flyers just don't let you have fun. Like they'll bring you to this point and then knock you back down. It's like, nah, you can't have real fun. Quick. You might <laughs> be real quick if you're not ready. That was cool, um, right? Every once in a while. So real quick, because you know we have been. I don't. I don't even think we're being negative. We're just discussing issues and you know uh, you know potential solutions and frustrations. Um, so real quick, because things aren't all bad, right? Like the Flyers are in fourth place in the Metro currently through 16 games. The teams in front of them are starting to widen the gap a little bit, albeit they, they've played a couple more games. So right now the Flyers can't afford to go on an extended losing streak, um, but they are still in it. They're they're tied with New Jersey for fourth place. They're a point in front of Columbus. I believe they are currently – in a playoff spot, they are tied with Detroit for 19 points over in the Atlantic Division. So, I, I guess you know you look at teams like Columbus and New Jersey, who you know you could say they're overachieving. I mean, New Jersey went out and made some moves during the off season, um, eight five and three, same record as the Flyers. When you when you look at New Jersey and you look at the Flyers, do you think? I mean. Are they in the same class? Like I, I'm, I'm more seeing the Flyers as more of a middle of the pack team. And I don't know if you guys have paid attention to the power rankings that I, that I'm putting out and whatnot. But I always have the Flyers near middle of the pack. Like they don't ever rise more than three or four spots, and or drop more than two or three spots. Like they're they're kind of an average hockey team right now. You know. Well, definitely with the injuries, for sure they are. And it's, I don't know how they're going to get out of that without getting those guys back. And as far as the Devils are concerned, I think they're overachieving a little bit, but they did pick up some legitimate, like they, they had an issue with their power play and they added one of the best power play producers in the game. So that's like an automatic plus for them right there. They got really good goaltending as well with the, both guys being pretty, pretty good. Some of their like, younger guys have kicked in, uh, kicked in, um, some goals at uh, timely goals at times, but they play competitive games. That's what I like seeing out of them. I know they had like a barn burner with, with the Rangers the other night. And um, I don't see that sustaining all year. I don't know if they have the depth once injuries bug bites them a bit. They also do have a potential like legitimate superstar in Hughes and whatnot. We'll see what happens with that. But for now, I, but even with the injuries, I do think the Flyers will pull something together and should finish ahead of the Devils. A lot of teams do jump off the hot starts and ride it a little bit and then kind of teeter as the full season comes into swing. Um, but, yeah, it's a little concerning that the records are completely identical right now. Even their goal differential, I think, is the same. I mean, the difference, though, is, is we, again, we talk about, like, optimism. And, like, I tweeted something out earlier this week looking at, or maybe it was last week, the centers that Ron Hextall drafted while he was here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, it's so depressing looking at it. Like the funny. difference is maybe we'll finish with four more points this year than the Devils, right? But the Devils have Jack, Jack Hughes, yeah. who could end up being a superstar in this league. He's injured right now. 
again, the fact that they're doing it, all this without Jack Hughes is pretty impressive. They've got Dawson Mercer, who's 20 that, years old. He was taken, yeah, taken like 18th overall. He looks like he has more upside than any of the young guys on the Flyers. He does. They, Ty Smith is a really good young offensive defenseman. And we look at all these teams and they just have higher upside young guys than the Flyers. And so that's part of the problem is, and I, I keep coming back to it, but the more and more I think about it, the more and more Ron Hextall taking Nolan Patrick second overall, that was like the pivot point in this franchise. And it's sort of like, if what, what I've heard is is true, that there were a lot of scouts that wanted McCarr and Heskin and, and, and you know, um, Hextall just went with his Brandon Wheat Kings boy. Like if, if that's true, it's sort of like sim, like symbolic and emblematic of Hextall's um, what was his downfall, which was his uh, basically his stubbornness and his unwillingness to like take guidance from from other people in the franchise. And so that one selection kind of shows a lot. And then the fact that he thought that he was smarter than everyone in the room, like they took Jay O'Brien whatever it was like 21st that year. And they had Kendra Miller was available. I think he went like right after, and he was the guy that all these Flyers fans wanted him to take the Rangers got Miller and he's looks like he's going to be a really good defenseman for many years to come. So when it really comes down to it, we don't have a lot of dynamic young offensive players and it's Ron Hextall's fault. I agree. Um, and I yeah. was drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I was like, as was you know, I. I was drinking the Kool-Aid, and I still think I'm still optimistic about Morgan Frost, right? But, uh, but like, for the number of draft picks that Hextall had, maybe he was like doing okay. He hit on some guys, but he never got that game-breaking guy, and that's that's a problem. It's killer, man. Especially when you had the second overall pick. You know, like it's. It's almost understandable. It's like, man, all those years of drafting, we never had a, you know, a top five, top ten pick, blah, blah, blah. But, but I mean, like, look at Claude Giroux. And I don't know, like, he's more of an, uh, I don't want to say an anomaly more than the rule because he was drafted, what, 23rd, 24th overall? In the 20s, yeah. That draft 20s. was unbelievable, though, too. Yeah, right? of course. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, it's a, it was a mistake. It, like, Nolan Patrick was such a mistake. Like Morgan Frost what bothered me about that the most was like he didn't just go for the full rebuild. He did this like half ass rebuild where yeah, we traded Coburn, we got a first, a third, and uh Gudis, but like you know, you What'd didn't you do, do anything else. And, I, and if you're gonna have Drew in his prime, like then you gotta go for it. You gotta do something else different, like get rid of those dead contracts, which he some found a way to get rid of most of them. You know, he traded like Pronger's contract to Phoenix and and uh Vinny LeCavaliers to the uh the Kings, but like after that, he will like when his biggest besides JVR in his last year, his biggest free agent signing was Dale Weiss. Like, come on, like you didn't do enough for the now and you didn't tank enough where you were getting those high end draft picks. They only had the second overall pick because of the lottery. They should have been drifting 13th. You know what I mean? Like, which might have been better. It might have gotten yeah, the true. guy at 13. <laughs> yeah. Who, Not who, wrong. And maybe, um, maybe that's uh, the hockey gods biting us again for some unknown reason. Real quick, I was wrong about the Giroux draft. It actually wasn't all that good of a draft. The, listen, these are the four picks taken before Drew. Drew went 22nd. Chris Stewart. The, yeah. the Colorado Avalanche took Chris Stewart. Yeah. And then the next three guys had no NHL careers. Mark Matera, David Fisher, and then the Rangers, right before Drew, took Bobby Sanguinetti, who <laughs> played 
45 games and have six points. Can you imagine, like, if, you know, Flyers fans love reliving these drafts, like, well, I can't believe we didn't take Alex Dabrinkat instead of Pascal LaBerge. Um, like, if the Flyers had taken Bobby Sanguinetti and then Claude Giroux went with the next pick, like, no one would ever forget it. That's tough. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Interesting. Yeah, I, I always, uh, I never went back and, and looked at that. That's it. That is interesting. Drew is a ranger. Um, so something that I, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit here. So something that we want to talk to you about. So uh, you had an interesting is this week. like an intervention? What is this? What's going on with you? Yeah, no, not really. Not for you anyways. Okay. What do we, have? <laughs> we had an interesting week on on Twitter last week, right? And I, I was trying to go back and and look up your initial tweet, um, but I think it was in regards to Kristalinen. Ah, uh, yes, I and I ruffled some feathers. Shocker. Say it again. I ruffled some feathers last week. Oh, a little bit. You know, I, his name just ruffles feathers. It's sort of like, uh, yeah. I mean, Kristalinen, we we made the trade for him and it seemed like three minutes later, all of the analytics guys are saying it's the worst trade of all time. And I can't believe we traded a first round pick. And then you've got guys at the athletic who are writing articles, grading it and they're giving flyers an F minus and a J basically like joking about like how terrible this guy is. And like, you know, um, and the, the crazy thing to me was like, I didn't love the trade. Like I, I respect that the, some of these numbers have have merit. I think there's a good use for for analytics and a lot in a lot of these metrics. Um, but to me, the whole thing that's crazy about it is that 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 none of these folks, or at least not a lot of them, were able to acknowledge at the time that maybe changing his role from he was playing the number one defenseman on the Sabres getting the like most ice time of any defenseman on the Sabres, a terrible team, a terrible franchise. Like, was it totally incomprehensible that they might think to themselves, Hey, this guy's going to go from a, a, this role in Buffalo to a role where he's going to be on the second pair with the flyers. And maybe that change and not as much responsibility will lead to him not only playing better, but, uh, maybe his metrics will really improve, right? Like no one really said that. Instead, it was just this like arrogance about how terrible this guy is and that the numbers don't lie. And and so now he's he hasn't been fantastic. He's been pretty good, right? He's, he's like bringing what we need. He's bringing some toughness on the blue line. Like he's got a little bit of skill. He makes some dumb mistakes from time to time, but he's not, he doesn't have the best hockey IQ. So it's going to happen, right? He's like a, He's a good second pairing defenseman in the NHL, I think, who brings some assets and attributes that you need. And I basically just like tweeted out. That's what I, I tweeted out. I was like, you know, like, and I wasn't like taking shots at anyone. I was basically like, you know, did, did any of these analytics folks kind of like, maybe they should go back and look at the analytics themselves and, and, and see like, hey, like, are these analytics flawed if they like, they're telling them that Ristolainen is the worst defenseman in the league, right? That's what these numbers were telling some people. Why can't, how is it, shouldn't, shouldn't you be able to see somehow shouldn't these numbers say something that say like, okay, if he's in a different role, maybe he won't be the worst defenseman in the league. Like maybe he'll be a good second pairing defenseman. And 
I just, yeah, it was, there was a lot of heated debate about it. I mean, Charlie O'Connor, who like, honestly, I think is probably the, the best flyers beat writer out there. Like he's at the athletic, he's unbelievable. Um, everyone loves Charlie for the most part. And he basically responded to my thread and was like, responded like his first response was, this is dumb. Those were the first three words. And I'm like, look, I have more respect for like Charlie than almost anyone out there covering the flyers. But like, that told me that I rattled him a little bit. Like, and maybe he was thinking about it a little bit because for someone that smart to come back and be like, this is dumb. No, Charlie, it's not dumb. Like you should be continually looking at the numbers and like maybe acknowledging that they don't like that, that, you know, I don't know that, that, you know, that maybe they're not as accurate as, as some people want to think. And it wasn't even the, the, the tweet wasn't even aimed at him because he's fine. He's not arrogant about stuff. Um, it was aimed at the people who were giving the Flyers an F minus grade right after the trade because Rastelainen's the worst defenseman in the league. Ha ha ha! Can't believe the Flyers traded for him, traded a first round pick for him. So, you know, that's weak sauce. Like, I can't believe that. I mean, we had him on right after the trade, Charlie, and you know, he seemed very. He said he didn't just fail the analytic test; he failed the eye test, and we were able to have a good conversation. Um, I brought up. Um, Darlene and I said he, you know, his guy was touted as like a gen, not generation, like a franchise defenseman. You know, very, very good, number one overall, easy pick. There was never a debate. You know, and he's kind of struggled there too. Like, and there was really no response to like why. Like, you know, he just was no. We just kind of went the conversation geared back towards Ristolainen, and it was like, okay, well, maybe. So you're not going to give me that? Maybe it's a Buffalo thing, and. It was kind of like, well, I think he would have figured it out by now. I'm like, well, he never left Buffalo. So how can he go figure it out? And now he has, and he's in a reduced role, which is fine with some guys. It happens all the time, you know? And it's just like those, the arrogance. I'm surprised with Charlie. I know exactly the thread you're talking about. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. You definitely rattled him. If you're, you're coming back that hard for who, with the, the stance he has in the city and whatnot, something's up. But it's his, his uh, disciples, we call them. They're the arrogant ones. They're the ones you just you can't say anything because num- numbers never lie, and it's a perfect science and yada yada yada. But it was it was amazing how a simple, informative, hey, check this out, maybe double check your work, see maybe we're all missing something. Uh, tweet turned into what it did. Here's a nice tweet from Michael here. The past doesn't always predict the future, and of course that's true. Like we we expect we like players get better you would assume most of the time as their careers go on, they mature, their, their, their skills get better. They, they learn, they grow. Um, I think where analytics fail for me and, you know, Johnny, everybody knows Johnny put out a nice article a couple months ago. Now, I think over the summer about how analytics might not tell the whole story, right? Like, sure. They can be used as a tool to show, hey, this guy's been great in these situations or he's good for possession or he's out there. Uh, when he when this player is out there, you know, the team's generating a lot of scoring opportunities or whatnot. Um, but when you look at a guy from one team while he plays for one team and say these were his numbers with this team, they will translate the same way when he's put in an entirely different situation. And I'm sorry, that's just not, that's not how things go, right? Even basic stats. Like, if you want to, like, if you look at Ristolainen's basic stats now, the the goals, assist points, I don't think he's on 
I don't think he's at on the Buffalo pace. Like he, he was putting up 35, 40 points with Buffalo. He's got three points in 14 games right now, but does that, does that mean he's playing bad? Does that mean he's not playing? His analytics are a lot better, right? Like things, I don't know, man, like, Sure, numbers. These numbers you can use to tell you without watching a game. You could you could look at these numbers and go, man, Ristolainen was bad with the Sabers, but put him on a different team, and you can't use them to predict how he's going to play with a new team, an actual hockey coach. I can't remember the the old Ralph Kroger was it? I always want to call him Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Krueger. Yeah, the that guy was coach. a a absolute joke of a hockey coach. Right. And and here you are, Buffalo, funneling all these top five, top 10 picks to go play for this guy, which is an absolute joke. Right. You see what they're doing this year with an actual hockey coach. Right. They're decent. They're they're surprising a lot of people. Right. Players who a guy like Tage Thompson, I think a lot of us maybe forgot about, leads the team in points. Wow. Right. Like like players are playing well under guys who know what they're doing. And I think we're seeing that now with Ristolainen, right? Like you can improve with different coaches, different players, different environment. Um, another thing analytics don't take into account, you know, you play for a losing organization. All you know is how to lose, right? So maybe you become a little bit selfish. Maybe it's like, right. whoa, we're going we're gonna to lose 55, 60 games. I'm going to get mine, you know, because I still got to get paid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean – You know, yeah, I just so let me just read what I tweeted out because it's a lot more uh, coherent than what I was just kind of like rambling on about. But basically what I tweeted was I said, some of the analytics guys are finally starting to acknowledge Ristolainen's playing extremely well this year. But the point is that this should cause reflection on how team slash mental variables can impact the raw analytics and how those analytics don't paint close to the full story. Someone posted yesterday the part of why some are so reactive against some of the analytics guys is because of the condescension in their attitudes slash posts that their numbers tell them the entire story. And I see that a lot. On Risto, instead of, wow, Risto's analytics are really good this year. Maybe this trade wasn't so terrible. It should be more reflective. Hmm. Maybe the past analytics were wrong in reflecting what kind of player Risto was. Maybe I should try to figure out why that is. Right? Like is nothing really like combative in there at all. It was just like, Hey, maybe you should respond. And, and Charlie's response was, this is dumb. A Risto has five good games before that. He was bad for seven years. <laughs> These games have been promising, but yeah, logic tells us to keep taking a wait and see approach. The path to him working out was always clear. Lesser usage, new locale equals hopefully better play. I said, Charlie, you're the best NHL writer out there. But I expect more from you than this is dumb. Like, are you unwilling to acknowledge that the metrics you were using to determine he was bad for seven years don't paint, maybe don't paint the entire picture? That's like all I'm saying, you know? And I think to Michael's uh, post here once again, yeah, just because all that was true in the past, can you use that to predict his future in another organization? See, what Dan did was, you got to understand, these guys, this is gospel. You know, their their thing is gospel. And you just walked in and said, now, maybe God didn't create everything. And that just rattled them to the core, like you said. I mean, that's how I view it. Think about it. You said a a Twitter and uproar with a completely non-combative tweet. (laughs) Like, it's you got the the man himself 
going I into use the, I use the analytics like to to look at different stuff. I mean, but like there's a there's a limit to, you know? It's like how would any of us feel if like you're like whatever 35 years old and like you've been working in a job for a while and they're tracking your analytics and you're totally miserable like your boss is an asshole. Like your coworkers are dickheads. Everyone's rude to you and you're metrics are saying that you've been terrible for eight years right and you're like no i just need a chance somewhere else right and everyone's like no your life's over you're 35 like this is you, you have no hope right like no one wants people to say that about them and and the, the reality is if if you leave that company and you go to a new company where they they see what your strengths are and they put you in a different role like you might flourish that's all i'm trying to say right like yeah, I feel like you're you talking gotta, about me right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be revitalized. You got to go somewhere else where you have a chance at winning. You can just play a different game and, you know, not be in that horrible culture. I mean, these are, that's the thing with analytics. There's zero human interaction in, that you consider. And that's a massive thing, massive thing, you know, and it just, it gets so under discussed. It's just like, nope, these are the numbers, the robots, they're going to do this and that. And, I hate that because analytics is a great tool. It's a great tool. But again, it's not gospel. It's not. Otherwise, nobody would have any. They would just have full-blown analytic crews, and they would just run everything. And there's a reason they don't. There's a reason that, what, 10 different teams, most of them playoff teams, wanted this guy. Like, there's a reason for this. I think there needs to be just more conversation. Uh, you know, like uh, – I would involve the other side wanting to converse with the other side. Right. And I don't think that's going to happen. Right. And especially I think Twitter, because everybody needs to be right all the time, right? Like everybody can see your conversation. So everyone needs to make the best point and the response need to be, needs to be like, you know, a, a really good response instead of just asking questions like, Hey, like, you know, I know you're using all these numbers, they don't make sense to me with what you're trying to prove. Can you show me why you think that way? Or on the other side, like, oh, okay, like, uh, I, I get, I get that you guys are discount these, but like, what are you seeing that's, you know, making you think that these are wrong? Like, just a conversation. It's, I don't know. It's, I think Twitter might be the. I think if we met some of these people in real life, the conversation would go a lot differently. Like, it'd be an actual conversation instead of, you know, your numbers suck. Like they're not telling the truth at all, or you're not taking into account all these things. It, they don't, I think the issue is they don't get to the why they don't get to the, why are these numbers like this? What is, you know they what I mean? They don't really care either. Cause everything on Twitter, right. a response is like a mic drop. Like there should be no further conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this is it. How this dare you why. question my numbers? You like, should know like, why you imbecile. Well, seriously, that's like, is that not Charlie's tweet to to Dan to the response to Dan? Like this is dumb. It's only been six games. Logic and blah 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 blah. Mic drop. You know what I mean? That's what it feels. It's not a conversation by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And at that point, it's like, why even respond? Right. Like, right. It's just if you're gonna just give your dull, like this is you know, this is how it is because I said so. Like it's just. I, I hate that. It's the whole point of con why we do a podcast and why we, right. you know, interact on Twitter. I, I, we like Dan. You, you're great at this. Always having conversation. Always and hearing people what they have to say and responding whether you agree or not. You're not calling them dumb or anything like that. But you'll tell them whether you think, unless they're slanderous. But you know, you'll tell them how you think and feel and move on. And very rarely do I see you get into any kind of like full blown fights or anything like that. 
Yeah, I mean, the older you get, I mean, again, like I found that like the older they get, you more of them like the more like perspective you have. And it's like my best friends are people I argue with all the time and we get into heated arguments. But like at the end of the day, it's like that's you're my friend. Whereas like it's been weird for me on Twitter because like even some people that um, I would consider to be friends now early on, I might have like retweeted something that they said and like was critical. And I never do that anymore because I've gotten a few like physical threats through dms on twitter from guys that you would be surprised about guys that we're all friends with and i'm like what the hell is going on <laughs> this is like twitter like these people are insane i'm yeah, getting a little too much man physical threat through dm and so i never retweet anyone anymore and uh it make like in like within in a negative way because people really get upset about that but it's like people like this is just twitter like we're talking about hockey like relax you know like we can have vehement arguments but at the end of the day let's go have a beer and like right. have dinner and, and and talk about stuff you know sometimes we'll just be like hey guys we're all flyers fans here let's not forget that we're all cheering for the same team we're all miserable like we're all miserable if we were at the game we'd all be pit angry with each other and if they scored we're all going to jump out of our seats with each other like come on yeah we all know when we go to the bathroom, we, we just from the sound of the crowd that the Flyers just took a bad penalty. But you all, <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> so let's look. Uh, so, I mean, we're somehow an hour and 13 minutes into this episode. It, I don't know how that happened. I lost track of time. That's my fault. Um, let's look ahead to another tough week for the <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers. So they're heading down to Florida. They're probably there now. Morgan Frostless. And they have to play the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night, Tuesday, and the Florida Panthers Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, which, you know, with this Flyers team, there's some, you know, they're able to take off the day before things happen. Uh, are you guys feeling confident heading into these games? Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I left out the NHL best Carolina Hurricanes on Black Friday. Are you guys feeling confident? How do you see these games playing out? What, what do you think the record's going to be by the end of this week, Dan? I'm not confident. Um, well, because Martin Jones is going to have to play one of those two games against Tampa or Florida. And I'm just not that confident that we're going to have any shot of, of beating those teams. Like, this team's, like, had a lot of surprising games, right? Like, I can't believe they beat the Caps on the road 2-1, to one, and then they beat Carolina, I think, 2-1. to one. Um I just feel like it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Like it's Carter Hart is saving the bacon and Martin Jones has been really good um, with the exception of one game. And so, yeah, sure. Like there's a chance they could win both of these games in Florida, right? Like anything's possible, but I, I just, I'm not optimistic. I, I, I think it's more likely than not that maybe they get one point max out of these two games in Florida and then come home and it's black Friday. They always have a lot of energy. Maybe they win that game. Um, but just overall, I'm just, I, I'd like to see frost up, but, um, but uh, by the way, how, how long can Justin Braun be playing like the best defenseman on the team? Like, I'm sorry. Like that's another complete aberration. Like forever. It's great that Justin Braun is the best team on the team. He's playing like this. On the other hand, it's terrible that Justin Braun <laughs> yeah, exactly. is the best on the team because you know, it's not going to last. Like it's just not going to last. He and had a rough game the other night already. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not very optimistic. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching the games. I'm going on Friday, going with the, my parents. Should be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, just not, not that optimistic. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I'm thinking 0-2 and 1. Maybe they take Florida to overtime I just because they've already beaten Carolina and have taken Tampa to overtime. What sucks is if it does go to a shootout, the Flyers can't be bothered to do a shootout. So that you're just – unless they beat them in overtime, forget it. But come on, they're, they're away both these games. I, I, they played Florida pretty good the first time. There was a different team than it feels like. Um, Tampa, they scored early and hung on long enough and got a really late lucky goal to get any points out of that. And Carter Hart probably played one of the, I think his best game as a flyer, even though it wasn't a shutout to beat Carolina in a very close affair. I can't see all that happening again with these games. I'd be, I'd be surprised if they won any of these games in regulation. So just to inspire hope for the listeners, the flyers are playing the two best teams in the league this week in the Florida Panthers, who lead the league in points with 29. Carolina Hurricanes, who are second in the league, uh, but have the highest point percentage with 28 points and a .875 percentage. And they start the week with a game against back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I was going to try to look for, you know, reasons why maybe they could take, you know, uh, maybe beat, Florida they were struggling a week or two ago but it looks like they found their footing once again unfortunately uh yeah they went undefeated last week 6-1 win over the Islanders 4-1 win over New Jersey and a 5-4 win over Minnesota so some pretty good teams last week and they beat them pretty handily uh by the time they play the Flyers they'll they would have had three days off so they're gonna be playing them nice and fresh thank you NHL for once again doing that to the Flyers um Hey, if they can steal, if they can get two out of four points down in Florida and then go to Friday and if not get two from Carolina, who's been running like a friggin' freight train since the Flyers beat them. They haven't lost since. Get two points in Florida, come back home, get two or at least get one, and I will be satisfied. Another one, one in one week. I think I'd be okay with, even though it's tread water. I, I, exactly. It's average. And that's what they're doing. They're treading water. And that's the frustrating part for me. Cause it's like, don't like we are all, we're all so excited. And now we have to pull back expectations and hope they can just stay alive until they get to that point in the season where everybody's back, I guess, or whatever. If that's what I'm tired of doing. I'm tired of waiting, but maybe that's just where we are, you know? Um, one thing we don't have to wait anymore for, we're coming to the end of the episode. Did you guys have anything you wanted to uh, bring up before we wrap this one up? Did we miss anything? I think I feel like we covered a. No, this a was lot. great. This was it's always fun being on with you guys. And uh, no, I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, Dan. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for hanging out, man. Uh, I love you guys, man. It's really, like... really fun coming on with you guys. Seriously, oh, we appreciate that. It ourselves. It always feels like we we've had you on like just a couple weeks ago, but like months go by. So we'll have to have you on more often. Tell. Uh, the boys at uh, OMB, we said hi as well. But I will, I will. So, uh, yeah, we're going to bring the this episode to a close. Dan, if you want to shout out your social media, give a shout out to the OMB podcast, uh, you're more than welcome. Yeah, folks can uh, follow me um, on Twitter at dsilver88. And um, also, pretty much weekly, uh, we do weekly podcasts, OMB podcasts, me, Isaiah, and uh, Chef. We always have some special guests on. We recorded a show um, yesterday with Jason Martitis. It's a good listen. Check it out. Um, and yeah, so let's go Flyers. Let's go Flyers. Jack, you have an episode coming out. You want to tell the people about it? Full Circles returns. Went over the uh, New York Islanders who are shockingly at the bottom of the division. Uh, don't expect that to stay for long. 
but yeah, check that one out and a little update on the Metro Division itself. All right. That's going to do it for the episode. So thanks for hanging out with us. As always, next time you catch us live, it'll be tomorrow night for an HW postgame show after the Flyers and Lightning. So for Daniel and Jack, I'm Jim. Everybody, uh, drink your green stuff, take your vitamins, have a good night, and we'll see you tomorrow.